today's guest, Robert Stevens from Kubato International. We can no longer base our business simply on our ability to move little boxes around. Our intent with Group Auto and our systems and our workshop networks is to provide a service to the customer that results in the sale of the part on the little box on the shelf. Tech Talk, the automotive aftermarket podcast. Hello and welcome to the second episode of our Tech Talk Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. I'm Christian Müller, VP Marketing at Tech Alliance and your host. Today's guest is Robert Stevens, Director, Workshop Networks and Technology at Group Auto International. So we are diving deep into the international trading group business. Robert is an industry veteran with experience across the whole aftermarket value chain. I was uh, pretty happy when he agreed to participate because he's really knowledgeable and always looking ahead on how to tackle the topics coming upon our industry. We've been talking about what's currently cooking at Group Auto, of course, and their recent expansions, the state of in-vehicle or telematics data, um, why e-commerce is not solely about pricing but additional services and about the fact that changes in the market often happen more slowly than we initially expect. Overall, great insights from a forward-thinking industry leader. So I'd say without further ado, let's jump right into the podcast. Hello and welcome to our next Tech Talk here at Automechanica Frankfurt. We have a very special guest. I'm really happy that he's joining us this morning. It's Robert Stevens from Crew Porto. Hi, Robert. Hello. Nice to be here. So as we talked as we uh, talked before, most of the people in the aftermarket will know you because you are one of the one of the silverbacks, one of the veterans. <laughs> But for the ones who don't know you, could you give us a little intro introduction again and also about what are your concrete topics within Group Auto? Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, um, my job, my role within Group Auto International is I am the director of workshop networks and technology. And we've purposely put those two things together because it's necessary. There's so much technology that we need to embrace and utilize within the aftermarket, and it needs to be driven all the way down to the workshop network level. So that's my role. My job is what do we need to do now to be ready for five years from now, ten years from now. And you've been with Delphi before, so you made the switch from parts manufacturer to ITG. So from the dark to the light side or from the light to the dark I, side, I depending have a on long who you history. ask. Yes, I, I actually started with Snap-on Tools back in okay. the US and then with Snap-on Tools in the, in the UK. So I have a, an understanding of the workshop level concerns and requirements and then yes I, i worked for delphi so i've seen that side of the business which is both oe and aftermarket and kind of the tension and different uh priorities that exist in that business but then i came to work for group auto some six years ago now uh and it's also now given me not only a very different perspective but the ability to apply what I've learned over that time to, to our current business. Does it make your job easier because you know how a parts manufacturer works? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I know, you know from the workshop level on up through the parts manufacturer. And now what I'm coming to understand from the ITG perspective is that 
we've got so many people involved, many different suppliers, many different countries with different priorities and concerns and levels of development. And all of that needs to be balanced to kind of move everybody forward. Definitely. And we are here at Automechanica Frankfurt, back to on-site events. So the first proper Automechanica since 2018. How does it feel for you and how important are on-site events in general for ITGs? Because you are a big event conductor yourself. I am. <laughs> and per first of all, I am so thrilled to be back here, to just look around here and see everybody back. Um, and it's almost like you don't realize how valuable it is until it's taken away from you. Because everybody kind of goes, oh, time for Auto Mechanica again, go stand up at the booth and all these meetings. But when it was not available, you realize how valuable it is. And we've now been able to start doing, as Group Auto International, um, our own international events again. We, we did one recently in Athens, and next month we have our event in Tenerife. And the, the value of having that time and that discussion that you can't get from that virtual meeting where it tends to be just one to many. I'm saying something, everybody's half listening and checking their email and, yeah, yeah. you know, getting the door because, you know, the dog was barking, whatever it is. We can now focus, but also it's the conversations that take place between the meetings. And that's what you get from that, that face-to-face -face wandering around. Oh, I didn't know you were here. Let's talk about this. Yeah, definitely. You can't walk like 10 meters and someone's shouting your name. Have Absolutely. A little chat. And I think, and I got that asked ask a lot, being a marketing responsible, people are asking me, Christian, what do you think? Will, will there be trade fairs in the future? And I, I'm always, I'm always uh, like that the trade show itself is not neither the issue nor the solution. Do we need trade shows? I don't know, because the concept, you know, especially for us, we are, we are selling digital products. We have nothing to show, basically. And information nowadays is available 24-7. If I want to be informed about the latest Tech Talk release, it's on our website, it's on our socials. But what I really think the market needs, and especially our market, is a place where people can come together. And you know what? As, as someone who deals a lot with the digital, our digital systems and so on, I almost think it's more important to have the face-to-face -face interaction because it's a digital product. If it's a, a tangible thing that I can send you that and say, give that a try, yeah. okay, that's one thing. But we're talking about a system or a concept or you know, uh, things that I need to understand from you to incorporate into the functionalities yes. of my digital service. I think that personal interaction is almost more important in regard to a digital service. Um, than it is for, you know, kind of a traditional here, try my part, you know, take a look at my flyer, watch yes. my presentation. Yes. Yeah, because it's not a plug and play and we sell complicated products. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is not out of the box stuff. We're literally inventing the digital aspects of the aftermarket as we go. And that requires interaction. Definitely. So for all the suppliers watching now, which are not part of Group Auto yet, What would be your, your elevator pitch to them? What are the USPs, why they should join Group Auto immediately? Well, I think the ITGs have had a, a traditional role. You know, we, we concentrate business within the country, internationally, and so on. And the thing that Group Auto is trying to do, perhaps differently than the other ITGs, that's not my concern, it's what are we doing, mm. Um, what we're trying to do is say, how can we bring the maximum value throughout the supply chain from the 
car driver to the workshop to the distributor to the supplier. How do we bring value across that? And that's why we've developed systems and services to try and address that. And I think that's the key. We're both the distribution network and the workshop network at Group Auto to try and have that complete service. So what are the hot topics you're currently working on? Oh, the hot topics are very simple from my perspective. Yes. Because again, my point of view is from the workshop network and how do we engage and work with those customers. So I have three key drivers for what I'm doing right now. It is standardization, integration, and cooperation. And I'm driving that within our workshop network to bring up the standards, to link them all together in systems, but also get them to cooperate so we can service a different level of customer at a higher level of service. That's what I need to do to differentiate the customers that buy products from us, bring them business and, and help them do more. And that then results in more purchases via Group Auto International. How about your global expansion? So from what I know, I don't know if it's correct, but your latest, uh, you, you last set up an office in South Africa? Absolutely. So I, we, sh we share that because it's our last office too. We set it up like I, a couple of weeks ago. I literally just came back from South Africa. And I think the, the recent expansion within Group Auto, and we're going into many areas of the world where we haven't traditionally been. South Africa is yeah. one of them. But the big benefit from that is that we're learning things about how they do business, especially a place like South Africa, which is very isolated. So they've literally had to almost invent different ways of doing things we have done in a traditional manner. I literally have four or five key items that I've taken back from meeting with the people, not only at Group Auto South Africa, but their distributors and their customers that I now want to apply here in Europe. And certainly there's systems and services and processes we can bring to them. But it, it's that interaction and exchange that I think drives the, the dynamism that is needed in the aftermarket. Because we tend to do things the way we've always done them because that's the way we've always done them. Definitely. And by getting into these new areas of the world, different business models, different types of opportunities and customers, we all learn from that. No, totally agree. And for me, this is like the most expensive sentence in business history because we've always done it that way. Absolutely. And it's, it's the same for us. There's so much you can learn. We set, up, we set up offices in Asia, in South America, and every market can bring something on the table, which you can also take into your home market for us in Europe and utilize it there. There are practices I have literally learned about from our people in China from South Africa, from Latin America, where maybe here in the traditional old world Europe, we never had to do it that way, so we never did it that way. Yeah. But now the advantages of doing that way are becoming evident. And that's why I say we can learn from each other. Definitely. And we also share a common past. So we've both uh, been active in telematics. You was in Group Auto. I was Caruso, so we're slightly different paths, but in the in the in the same topic. What is your what is your take on telematics right now? How far is it? Are the business cases there? Are there any business cases already already working in the telematics area? And how is the topic in general for you? I, I think the most important aspect of telematics is one simple truth. 
it doesn't work by itself. Telematics as a, as a standalone business case where I'm going to sell someone a little device to put in their car and they're going to be able to see what it said on an app on their phone, it's a cute toy, but it is not a sustainable business case. So what we've learned to do is to figure out how to use live vehicle data to enhance an existing business opportunity. And for us, where we're initially applying that is in fleet services, yeah. where we're maintaining thousands and thousands of vehicles for a single customer. And as that customer comes to realize the benefit of getting live data from those vehicles, we use it to enhance the repair and maintenance services we're providing to them. Sometimes it's as simple as just a timely notification that something needs to be done. Instead of waiting for the driver to say, oh, the dash light's been on for three weeks, we know that it's come on and we can immediately respond and address a small problem before it becomes a bigger problem. But also you, you need to use telematics and you need to explain to the customer how it can be beneficial to them. Uh, you know, fleets are certainly using this for locating vehicles and optimizing routing, yeah. but also driver behavior and so on. But from our perspective, it's all about how do we use that existing data, whether we provide the device, they already have a device in their vehicles, they're going to go acquire a device from somewhere else. They don't have to get it from me. Yeah. I just need access just to the data that allows me to enhance my service to them. And maybe that's as simple as, odometer and trouble codes and you know maintenance interval alerts i don't need to know anything else yeah but the more we know the more we can do but that's a really important take i think because you you many just focus on access or to the data so and even though all the manufacturers would give car manufacturers would provide us with all their data sets you need to build the services for the customers because especially in europe if you don't get a customer consent to share for sharing his data or in your case if your customer is not maybe bugging his car you know with a dongle then it's it's really it's really hard and you can't do any business well and i think the important thing there is these little devices that we can go and buy and plug in that's a temporary solution yes because the car park is transitioning to the connected vehicle and the problem is What information are the vehicle manufacturers willing to make available to us in the aftermarket? And right now, as I'm sure you know, it's very minimal, very inconsistent, and so on. Um, but the key is, even when, I won't say if, let's say when we get access to the level of data that we need, you have to be prepared to do something with it. You know, we've, we at Group Auto, we've built from the ground up what we call our GNM systems. Mm -hmm. And they include things like G-Connect for receiving telematics data, and that's yep. great. But it's of limited value. You need to be able to link that up with our repair and maintenance platform, our app that you know can interact with an individual car driver, yep. you know, the fleet services and agreements that we're doing. You have to have all of that in yes. place in order to actually utilize that one bit of vehicle data that you received. Yeah. Otherwise, it's of limited no, value. No, definitely. The data itself does nothing for you. You need to have the, the uh, solution landscape built around it. Absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the key things that uh, many people in our industry don't understand. 
whether they are singly focused on, I want as much data as possible from the vehicle. I don't need as much data as possible from the vehicle, but there are key things that I need. And also if like just on a technical level, when you see how a modern car, how much data this could send to you, yeah. then you I, need to build your own server farm just to, to... I don't want all that data. <laughs> I can't handle all that data. But most important, for my specific business offering, yeah. there are things that are crucial that I need and the rest of it I don't. Now, that's for today. That's not to say that tomorrow I can't add a service and, oh, I need that other piece. So we need the access, but we need to be able to determine what portion of it we need to be able to receive it cost effectively, uh, without latency, you know, without, you know, filtering and monitoring in a way so I can do business. So it's balancing all of these things. But the key is the telematics data, the vehicle data must be used to enhance the business we do. It's not a separate standalone offering. Definitely. And you as, as a whole, you're doing a lot of digitization efforts for your workshops. You're providing a lot of various solutions also in the truck segment. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, we do operate... Because I've also seen that you're now launching your, your truck uh, app or application in South yes. Africa or preparing yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. We're, we're, we're having to go in many different directions because... To be honest, I don't know what the future holds. Mm -hmm. For as much as that's my job, yeah. I don't know. So we have to be prepared for different options and opportunities. So yes, we're, we have our fleet services platform where we can work with these centrally managed fleets. Um, we can receive live vehicle data, but we, we also have to look at CV, which is so different from passenger car. You know, these the requirements of the commercial vehicles. Yeah because they're so different and the data that you need to provide a comprehensive service. But also, how do you interact with the operator of that vehicle? Because, you know, that vehicle is traveling country to country. So we have to have better cooperation from our international truck network yeah. than we do from our passenger car network, because they're likely to be sharing customers. You know, these are all things that you need to build into the business models. And it's so important that you go and actually speak to not just the workshop, the fleet operator, even the, the driver of these vehicles and understand what do they need and then build something. We, we in the technology side yes. are so quick to build something and then say, there it is, it's wonderful, without having asked anybody if that's what they want, yes. is that how it should work? Yes, <laughs> you know? and then we try it to shove it down his throat. Yeah, and then we yeah. try and fix it and push it together. Yeah. So, yeah, gathering that information and responding to the requirements of the market as they come up is what's needed. But you also have to prepare for the future. We have, we have built systems and services that, to be honest, the market's not ready for yet. No. So we're trying to stage things out and, and, and respond to that as we go. But speaking of trucks, I saw a nice little picture of you on LinkedIn where we're standing next to, the, to a Volta truck. It's yes. a Swedish manufacturer building electric trucks. Um, yes, it's... it's The, the, it comes from Sweden um, as far as um, you know, the, the, the company goes. Yes. Um, I believe they're actually being built in Austria. Oh, okay. But this is uh, an interesting part of the future, and we are very hopeful that we will be able to secure the contract to be able to provide services for those vehicles. But it's interesting because not only is this an, an exciting potential part of the future, there's the, the sustainability and global warming and 
getting these high polluting vehicles onto an electric platform, which yep. almost seems impossible. But the people of Volta have done an amazing job on that. But we, again, have to be able to respond to the business opportunity because now we need to have traditional commercial vehicle workshops understand, be trained, be equipped to handle an electric vehicle, which is a very different game. In the passenger car side, it's, you know, more and more of our workshops are being certified for yes. hybrid and electric and so on. But this is very new on commercial vehicle side. So it's almost where some things about commercial vehicle, they're ahead mm -hmm. when it comes to functionality of vehicles, fleet services, data interactions. And some places it's different for passenger car, but we're realizing we have to bring them both up together. And Volta is a, an ex, a very interesting opportunity. Um, we also work, for example, with uh, other smaller mm -hmm. EV vehicles, but this is a, the first full-scale large vehicle that we hope to work with. Okay. Another big topic also here at Automechanica is e-commerce and all these new players dragging into the market, trying to bite into your revenue, basically. So what's your take on e-commerce? Do we have to fear it? Do, how can we... How can we compete with these players, or, and what would be what would be the USPs of traditional commerce? Um, E-commerce, eBay, all these types of things, um, Amazon. I can't do anything about it, so we have to decide how do we respond. And traditionally, as parts distributors, we have had a, a very simple business model. I'm, I'm here at my desk, I have my phone, I have my computer, and somebody contacts me and says, I need a part. And I look behind me to the big warehouse with lots of shelves and little boxes, and I go grab one, and I put it on a van, and I send it off. Yeah. We can no longer base our business simply on our ability to move little boxes around. Our intent with Group Auto and our systems and our workshop networks is to provide a service to the customer that results in the sale of the part on the little box on the shelf. So it's much more important that we are providing this service in such a way that's unique. You know, maybe that's, you know, a single country supporting a, a fleet with our national workshop network. Yep. Maybe it's involving many networks across multiple countries to deal with larger companies. Maybe it's about the integration of our fleet systems with their fleet management system to make the business efficient. Maybe it involves bringing in that live vehicle data. It all has to be based on a service that is hopefully unique or better than what other people are offering that results in the sale of that part. And that is how I see that. There will always be people that are just going to call and say, hey, can I get one and yeah. run it out to me? But we have to, we have to cover the way the world is changing. And, and that's a big part of that is these centrally managed fleets, which has a, a completely different approach to when and how we're engaging with that vehicle. When I, when I say centrally managed fleet, I mean things like lease vehicles and yeah. rental vehicles and so on, where literally the person driving the vehicle is not the one deciding how it's maintained. And when we can provide a service to that centralized entity that's maintaining all of those vehicles, and part of that service is providing that part out of the warehouse, that's how we deal with e-commerce from my, my perspective. Yes, uh, 
Totally. So what you are talking about is this uh, this uh, loss lose of ownership. So Absolutely. cars will not be owned, or many cars will not be owned by individuals in the future. And this, for me, is a topic in the market which is discussed only very little, to my surprise. So everyone is talking about electrification and how this will change the market, but no one is really talking about these big fleets, car sharing and stuff. And and the key there is, and the way I've tried to convey this to the people that I talk to is the driver of, I won't even say tomorrow, we're, we're there now, where the driver of the vehicle is not responsible for its repair and maintenance. And therefore... You know, in the past, if, if you're my best friend and I own a workshop, you're going to come to me to have your car sure. worked on. But now you're driving a lease vehicle and the leasing company says, no, you have to take it over there. Yeah. So that completely changes my dynamic as a workshop where I'm trying to foster that relationship with those individual car owners and they keep doing business with me. And, you know, your son comes in and he now has me take care of his car. Mm. That's not it. It's becoming these centralized centrally managed vehicle fleets and we have to interact with them on the level of that centralized management in order to capture that business hopefully in a way where we can be more efficient and attractive to them uh, versus the dealership because that's the big thing that we're seeing now with these large fleets is they are setting active targets where they want to transition x percent of their fleet to the aftermarket, yep. at least for maintenance. We'll get to repair once we convince them we can do maintenance well. But that is such a going to have such an effect on the aftermarket that we have to be prepared to provide the service and work together in a standardized, integrated, cooperative network to be able to respond that way because in the past, the, the aftermarket has always relied on what I call an unspoken truth. And that is that eventually every single car that is serviced at the dealership will transition to yep. us in the aftermarket. And that's no longer true because now the vehicle manufacturers and their dealerships are doing everything they can to try and retain that vehicle. Yes. So th this is connected vehicles, service contracts, all these different yep. things. And so. Interestingly, my workshop's main competitor of the past was the other aftermarket workshop across the street. But now it's going back to being the dealership down the road because of the, the level of service that's expected or the features and systems that are required. You know, the driver who wants to do everything yes. on their phone. And if you don't exist in their phone, you don't exist. You're not there, yeah. So it's all those things that we have to think about. As we make this transition. And that's something we could witness in the in the recent years. I call it like the, the new appetite of the car manufacturer for the aftermarket. They are trying to enhance or increase the customer lifetime value mm -hmm. with services. And so they're now pushing in aftermarket again. But in the in the in the time before, so the, in the last decade, they they drastically reduced their dealerships across everywhere. So do you think in the future that there might be some possibility of aftermarket players and dealerships teaming up where we see that more often we're already seeing it and what i see is i see the vehicle manufacturers taking one of two paths mm -hmm. they are either becoming very insular uh, and protective of access not just to data but actually access to the vehicle 
whether we're talking about things like QR coding parts for cybersecurity authorization or shutting down access to OBD ports or certificates required on diagnostic tools to be able to interact. But then we have a different group that are actually going the other way where they realize perhaps the, the role and of the traditional dealership is going away. It's a, it's a big, expensive building, lots of people. W- there's one in you know, 25 kilometers. Yep. And they're actually coming to us with the proposition of how can we work together? Mm-hmm. What needs to be done so that the vehicle manufacturer can actually confidently refer customers that are not currently serviced at the dealership to us because they know we'll do it with the right quality, with the right parts, with the right processes. And so there's this interesting opportunity that's happening. We've, we've seen certain vehicle manufacturers which just seem to be opening things up to the aftermarket yeah. and do whatever you want, or they're opening their own aftermarket chains, literally, yes. or they're willing to cooperate with those of us that are doing this now. So that's what I see is that divergence. And that is... The, the biggest frustration of the aftermarket, where we're, we're not, you know, this brand vehicle dealership and we only work on those vehicles. We work on everything. We work on whatever shows up today. So we need consistency in our ability to address that make of car, that make of car, that make of car, that year, new one, old one. That's the key requirement we have. But it's also one of the key frustrations we have is because of these different paths and information that's available or not available, or this is charged for, or that's only available if you do these three other things, it makes it very difficult for us to offer a consistent service across all the different brands and all the different years of vehicles. So these are the things that we need to work together as the aftermarket to address. I I attended a meeting yesterday about right to repair. And... One of the, the key oh, it takeaways. Was the right to repair South Africa meeting, which was yesterday? South Africa was there. Yeah. But okay. uh, this was for, for, oh, okay. the, for the, the global for right the whole, to repair. Okay. And one of the things, you know, I said in that meeting was I've, I've lived that mantra, standardization, integration, cooperation yeah. within our networks and systems. But now it has to be bigger than that. It has to be something where the aftermarket together is standardizing, integrating, cooperating if we're going to compete for these new vehicles and new services and centrally managed and be able to compete against the dealerships, that's what we have to do. And I can't do it alone. And that guy can't do it alone. So we have to no, cooperate every, maybe every, in a way we haven't in the past. to play its part in this. That's it. We, we have to do this maybe in a way we haven't in the past. Because if, if only I survive, we still die. <laughs> okay? It that's takes true. everybody. Yes. Exactly. So that, I think, is the, the biggest change that I'm going through as well. Everybody has to adapt, and it's that we have to be willing to cooperate with our traditional competitors so that we are all ready to make this transition. Definitely. So a lot of future-related related topics we talked about, and as you mentioned before, we are it c- currently feels being like on, on the verge of this next incremental step which is upon us. So uh, our last question for today would be, when we meet again at Auto Mechanica 2030, so in eight years' time, what will be the topics? 
Uh, you know, my, my, my job is... Will you have is... a partnership with all car manufacturers servicing their, their big fleets and they sell cars via subscription? My, my job is literally to try and anticipate the future. What do we need to do now to prepare for then? And you know what? It's so dynamic and changing. Five years ago, 10 years ago, <clears throat> everybody was saying, oh, it's going to be, you know, telematics in every vehicle and, and electric vehicles and autonomous yeah. self-driving vehicles. And while those things are happening, they're happening more slowly than what, you know, everybody thought 10 years ago. And I think that's going to hold true. Those things are still going to be there. We're, we're going to see more and more electric vehicles. And yes, we as the aftermarket, the workshops have to have the training, the, the parts suppliers, you know, need to be prepared. We need to distribute and so on. So, yes, the, the telematics, the, the vehicle data, if you will, yep. the electrical, the autonomous, all of that is just going to continue to incrementally increase. And I think by 2030, um, it's simply going to be the more important, more prevalent. Um, but other than those things, I can't tell you what's going to change. But I know the key driver for me, even in all of those things, is that transition to the centrally managed fleet. Because whatever happens in the vehicle world, telematics, you know, ADAC and ADAS and all these things we're preparing for, um, connected, autonomous, it's going to be driven by the big fleets. So we need to be prepared to do business with them and follow along with them in the technology and be prepared. Right now, some of our big fleet operators are already asking us, which of your workshop networks are certified for electric vehicles? Hmm. They have a handful of electric vehicles and yeah. none of them are being serviced by us at this point hmm. because, you know, they're relatively new and, and yeah. so on. But they still want that preparation. They want that confidence that as the vehicles transition, we'll be ready to support them. So to me, that's <clears throat> the key to 2030, is what do we need to do between now and then to be ready to support as these new technologies become prominent and more and more of the park, and our customers are now actually asking us to actively support them. Okay. That was, I guess it was a very, very nice projection. I think you are a really, really one of the really smart heads in the market. Thank you very much for taking the time today. And I hope we will follow up in a couple of weeks as we discussed before. And was a very, was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was the second episode of our Tech Talk Automotive Aftermarket Podcast. Great insights, I think, on urgent topics here from Robert. If you want to get in touch or look up the stuff we've talked about, we'll put the links in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, now is the time to hit that subscribe button and leave a little comment maybe. And of course, the video version of this episode is also available on our YouTube channel where you can see our on-site studio at Automechanica Frankfurt in all its beauty. So long, take care and bye-bye.